All right, we are a bit late, so let's rush over to Luke 8. Sorry, sorry, too Scottish there. Luke 8. I don't know how to do it in Tennessee, and I can do it less Scottish. Um, if you remember, we left off last time with the, um, the exorcism and the healing of the Gergesene, Gadarene, or Gergarene. It's according to which version you're using. Demoniac. There's already one bit back there? All right, lovely. Thank you. I'll make sure that's turned off then. See batteries? Yeah, there we are. We only have a budget for two batteries per year, so we're pretty... Um, now, at the very end of that was a very poignant time where the man came back, he was now healed, he was in his right mind, he was dressed, he was clothed, and he asked Jesus if he could follow Jesus, and Jesus said, no. He said, go home. Be with your family. Now, this is something which I actually had a discussion with my 88-year-old uh, mother on Friday. Uh, my sister is visiting up from, from Texas. She worked at MD Anderson, retired recently after I don't know how many years, or 20-something. Um, and so she comes up to see my mom, and so I'll go down to see my mom. It's just about a two-and-a-half-hour ride. And uh, they were asked, I said, you know, I'm going to come back and see you before Trisha leaves. And uh, they said, well... She's going to leave Thursday. And I said, I'll come down Wednesday. And my mom said, well, then you have to get right back for church. I went, no, I don't. I don't have anything going Wednesday. And she looked at me because in our family. So I just started talking to her about how traffic patterns in Nashville go and how there's no way you can come home from work, get the kids fed, get their homework done, get them back out to here, then get them. It's just going to destroy the family. And I said, we don't put one more burden on people. We say, be Jesus where you are, raise your family, love them, take care of your neighbors. And there's an escapee. Lovely. <laughs> oh, I would have let her go. I would have run with her, Michelle. Yeah, this is your chance. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, I hate leaving, but I have to chase the baby. And we never see him again. Um, but the idea of going home... Um, don't worry, Ken, we won't even mention you're here. And, and you don't need to, we told you, don't, yes, don't kneel in front of people. How many times have I told you? Um, don't you love being in a village of faith that we're going to heaven, we can laugh and enjoy the trip, right? There are so many churches that would have been so offended with everything that just happened today. And I'm thinking, you know, you're not my village. These are my people. You know, I don't normally get up and take pictures during worship, but I kept going, oh, and I've got, got to have this. Uh, because this is such a special place. But here's the point. We talked about the value of sending our people home rather than putting one more burden on them that they have to come out regardless and do this. And we talked about Sunday nights the same way. And my mom got it, and, and which is brilliant. I'm, I'm happy for that. But I bring that up because he tells this man to go home and there's going to be another home story about to hit us. Luke arranges things in, thema in a thematic arc. Um, his overall arc is that God accepts you and he proves it by Jesus eating with people. Because if you remember in the first century, you are who you eat with. Eating with somebody was a public declaration of fellowship. And so Luke uses that as his overarching theme, but he does sub-themes. This is going and sending, um, you know, coming home and going away. You'll see this theme. Chapter 8, verse 40. Now, 
I always love the transition words in Luke as well. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, or Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. Let's talk about a couple of things before we get into the story. Um, this is a synagogue ruler. Uh, that probably means that he would have been the guy that was in charge of the day-to-day -day affairs of the synagogue. The synagogue might actually have met in his home. He might have been a very wealthy man. Because if you remember, um, their, their houses were tiny. Um, they were for sleeping, and they, uh, the, the, ki the kitchen was almost always outside. In fact, I believe always, but I, just, I don't want to go that far. Almost always outside. And there was a courtyard in which you did your life. And then you, you, know, you, had the, you had the place to shelter when you needed that. To have a larger courtyard and to have a larger place to meet, synagogue mean, is, is just a way the Greeks called it, but what do we call it? What's that word to us? Do you know? And I, I never, by the way, shame you if you get it wrong. You know, if you, sorry? A patio? That would be the place where it could meet. We would call it a, a congregation. It was just a gathering. And guess what the word for church means? Those called out to gather. It was another word for civic gathering. Uh, a religious gathering they called synagogue. Uh, but a, a civic gathering was ecclesia. And they mixed the terms constantly. So don't, don't draw a hard, hard line there. Point is this. This is a really important Jewish man. And I want you to understand this because... When the Jews and the Christians, uh, the first century or so, they were the same thing. People just assumed. Now, you had Gentile Christians, but Rome, the government, has, has looked upon that as another form of Judaism. But the family began to fray when the persecutions hit, because sometimes they would go after the Jews. Sometimes they'd go after the Christians, and it got to be where identifying one side or the other was, would determine whether or not you had a job, whether or not your kids got you know, sold into slavery. I mean, it was awful stuff. And it created a family fight between the Jews and the Christians that turned horrible and stayed horrible to some people to the present day. But in Britain, they were, they were driven out of Spain at almost the same time Christopher Columbus sailed, and there are those who believe he was a converso, which means a hidden Jew, and he had to leave. There's some history behind that as well. I find that fascinating, and it looks pretty solid. There are, um, they were driven out of countries. that In Germany, you could get a license to hunt them even back in the 1200s. They were kicked out of Britain several times, England several times. There wasn't a Britain as we see it today. They were driven out, um, but that doesn't mean the Scotland was better. They were not. King James, the guy that did your Bible, um, he was evil toward Jews. Hang them, uh, pillory them, uh, drive them out, take their stuff, all because they were the ones who killed Christ when the Scripture says humans killed Christ, not Jews. And it's important for us, uh, and Luther, oh my goodness, I thank God that Luther lived. I thank God that he wrote what he wrote and did what he did, to a point. But his writings about Jews are vile. Just 
Google what Martin Luther and sadly they're going to put up Martin Luther King Jr., which he didn't have anything to do with this. Uh, you may want to put quotes around, do, this, do the, uh, the smart search. What Martin Luther said about Jews, it will make you wince. But that was the way Christians treated them. It's one of the big reasons why nations did not ride to their defense when they were put into the camps. Another reason was that the media went quiet on it because FDR asked them to. And they went silent on it. It was a complicity. That there were Pulitzer Prizes given for hiding the story. Everybody agreed the Jews are a problem. FDR did not like Jews. Uh, and he was very public about this. This has wormed its way into our society to where we have representatives, and I'm not going politics here. Do not name a name or a party. We have representatives and, and congressmen on, on one side saying the most vile, hated, hated, hateful things about the Jews and not being censored by their own party. But let's go to the other ones. They don't say anything, but they don't do anything. And be aware, this has poisoned us for nearly 2,000 years. When you read the scripture, you find the Jews accepted Jesus. It was the ruling religious elite that did not. The Bible, I love the way Mark put it, the common people heard him gladly. And not just the common people. We have Nicodemus. We have Jairus. We have a lot of the top people. They loved Jesus. Uh, by the way, if you study history long enough, you realize nobody has clean hands. So who's responsible for all the hatred between the Jews and the Christians? Well, I don't think you can do it. They started it. The fact is both sides took turns being evil. And yes, sir. It occurs to me that with the 11th chapter of Genesis, with the Tower of Babel, and God decided to, uh, to separate all peoples, that in chapter 12 of Genesis, he calls Abraham. And I believe that there was a blessing. I do believe that there's a blessing that goes with that through all of history. I think to have Abraham's blood in your veins has some sort of... of uh, benefit before you get to the spiritual dimensions of all of that it's it is certainly possible i um i read an awful lot of nt Wright, and he would be right there with you yes. um and my friend bobby valentine john mark hicks some of these but i i think that you can go so far as to believe well then we should act like jews no no i don't think we should celebrate the jewish holidays as if we were jews i don't think we should I had people in Colorado, we had a lot of Messianic Jews wanting to take over that church when we arrived. They wouldn't even say amen because they thought it was pronounced amin. And they wouldn't say Jesus because no, it's Yeshua. You know what it is? It's whatever you say it is. God will accept that name. Uh, and I just, you don't need to become legalistic. And, and it's so sneaky to be legalistic. You can be thinking, oh, we're just going to go back to here. Now we're going to bind it on everybody. No, I, I've had three or four, I've lost it now, DNA test, you know, to rule me out of the investigation. No, no, to, um, to do, uh, because it was, originally it was part of the British DNA project, which was just getting off the ground, but it's a huge thing. And I was reading some books and thought, all right, we need to get involved in this. But I've done Ancestry.com and 23andMe as well. 
by the way, they're all good, they're all fine. Um, and the, the nice thing about uh, 23andMe is that it will also update you when they got it wrong. And they'll let you know a few months later. We've sharpened it, but you don't have to do it if you don't want to. I can stand here before you and tell you I do not have one drop of Jewish blood in my veins. I um, wish I did. My, I always thought my father did because he was, he was um, all the Jewish slander of uh, being cheap and you know that sort of thing and, and he was Scottish so we had enough reason right there frankly we didn't need to go into other uh, blood groups for that um, and I, I accused my mother of being Jewish because of the the um, what do you call it? apron strings right you call it that right because it was like you know oh, we're, we're reeling you in and I'm going <laughs> we're not Jews mom you know uh, and again racist probably probably um, I, 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 I told a group, I think two years ago, I said, I, I don't think I'm misogynist, but I might be. And I don't think I'm racist, but I might be. So if I say something, sharpen it. Assume the good. Assume I mean the best and come tell me, don't say it. And, and the group reacted well. Because you never know, you know. Um, again, we do live in a place where being a Jew is still not a good thing in most places. When it comes to hate crimes in America, got the figures yesterday, the latest FBI stats, you will always hear about hate crimes against Muslims. Well, Muslims are religion, not a race, and yesterday I had a lot of fights with people who said, but we have racialized the group. And I'm saying, if we're making up words, it can be anything. Let's find another word for this. But when you look at the hate crimes, um, it's almost always more Jews. But it is, it is leveling out, I've got to tell you that, by not dropping down either, but by going up. And that's tragic, wrong, in every sense of the term. We have a lot to do, a lot of work to do, to heal the division. We really do. And the good news is, almost every Muslim I meet is so interested in healing the division and the same with Jews. And yesterday, as frustrated as I was, I told Cami, I saw Nahed, she's a Christian, a Palestinian Christian. I saw David, he's a Muslim. Daoud, Muslim. Isam, Muslim, he's not Dr. Isam, Ido. Isam's my brother I never had. The first time we met each other, we realized, this is my brother. And I've never felt instant affection toward anybody like I do Esau. And he toward us, he ran to us at a Muslim service. He saw us coming in. And it was so fun to see this. But again, we're going to have to do some work. But when you do it, the politicians are going to want their fingers in the pie. And all the haters are going to want their, and they try to ruin everything. Um, just be aware, you don't have to play along. Yes, love one another. He meant that. Yes. Patrick, when Abraham, when Sarah sent Hagar away with Ishmael, Jesus, as the Logos, pronounced a blessing on her and her sons. He did. And I won't translate it. I won't translate the literal Hebrew there because it's not a nice English word. What the what the Arabs will be in the face of the Jews, and they will be fighting when Jesus Christ comes back again. Well, he said it'll be a, a wild donkey. Let's say donkey, That's shall we? Uh, it's not the word, and it's not the word in King James. Uh, but that was not considered 
I mean, if you called so that you guys are a bunch of donkeys, that would, that would hugely be an insult to David. Back then it was not. It was a very strong animal, a willful animal, a, an animal that made its own decisions. That was, remember Jesus rode on a donkey and that was a sign of royalty because donkeys were not trustworthy. And though, so kings were able to ride a donkey into Jerusalem gates. And it's, it's a whole backstory. I'm, I'm chopping it up because I've run down a little rabbit hole. I'm just passionate about stopping the instantaneous hate. Now, if somebody blows up a building, that's not who I'm talking about. Somebody flies a plane into it, that's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the people that wouldn't have anything to do with that. And yet they're aware. I mean, people, do you want to be smeared with the same brush that the... Um, what is the name of the Baptist church that's out in Kansas? That Westboro. Westboro, you're exactly right. Westboro, thank you. Do you want to be smeared with them? That they, that they, um, they, they picket the, the funerals of soldiers saying that you, you had it coming because you're working for a country that's sought and you know, this, no, or God hates fags posters. No, I don't, I'm not that kind of Christian. Sadly, when I work with Muslims, most of them only know that kind because that's the only kind that ever come to them, they come to them in hate. So just be aware, the world is like it is because it suits the devil. But you don't have to. And I get in uncomfortable situations, and I get with some people I do not like. <laughs> I really don't. I'm, I'm working on learning to love a man I met Friday. He, he's a white Christian. Most aggravating I kept texting Cammy. I'm about to tap out. If I if I don't leave this place, I may I have firearms in my vehicle, and I'm not afraid of prison. Um, I can I can go back. Let's um. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. I'm I'm sure they kept my cell. Um, no, really, the three rules are I taught my son early on: shoot, shovel, and shut up. And, and but anyway. And, and, we were doing a Bible study. A Bible study. That's what that was. I've told you before, I'm not a good person. I'm trying. You know, that's the thing. If I stand up here, I had some people say some very nice things about me this week, and I asked them to stop. I said, please. They're going, no, no. And I said, I don't want to be placed a place where it'll kill me if I fall, and it will kill you. Let's just... So I'm not going to do preacher thing, right? I have all of the issues you have plus my own. I excel at issues. I don't have pet peeves. I have kennels. Kennels full of frustrations. But I love this, that a leader of the Jews, and it's not considered awful, but I don't want to miss, to me, the most poignant thing. There's a 12-year-old daughter who's dying. I'm not afraid of the coronavirus. For what we know so far, um, there's no reason to be afraid. And by the way, you are being lied to. I've seen many articles, New York Times and the like, saying that a, a particular doctor who has served the last five presidents has been kicked out or muted. No, he came on TV last night saying, no, where'd that come from? I've had other people say, there's a 9% death rate. Really? I'd love to see how you do your checkbook. Um, it, in some populations, is more deadly than like H1N1. In other populations, it's not deadly at all. It's all about 
sanitation, access to medical treatment, and access to people who care if you live or die. There's a lot to do with that. Now, the coronavirus is, by the way, this is what I do, people. I don't, I'm not a virologist by any stretch, but I know this stuff. Um, it, it looks beautiful. Have you seen a picture of it? It's beautiful. It's got these little red crowns on it. That's why it's called a coronavirus. Corona means crown. There are four in that group. Two of them we get in America every year. And they leave you with uh, a fever. It might go up to about 103. Not so much body aches or chills with this. But you just feel like, eh, and it goes away. Two of them. Third one almost never shows up anywhere, and we don't consider it a danger. This is kind of new, but it's not a mutation. This is not, uh, for example, a retrovirus. HIV, retrovirus. They can change like this. A cold virus, a rhinovirus. This one doesn't do that. There are those who believe it is manufactured. But it can also come through eating things like cats and bats and mice, and they do. And you add that to no sanitation. You know, I'm sorry, people. I, if you, nobody, nobody in the news is going to tell you this. When you go to China, there, it reeks outside of the tourist zone. The children have split trousers up to the age of four so they can defecate and pee on the street. And if you see somebody blowing their nose, they, do not, they think that this is dirty. They, they blow it and just fling it right down the street and nobody cleans it up. It runs in the streets. It is, a it is a virus factory. It is where SARS came from, bird flu, frame come, we can keep going. H1N1. This is not racist either. The Chinese people are not to fault. They have leaders who don't care if they live or die and therefore do not supply what they need. So be aware, it's, you're not an enemy of Iran, you're an enemy of their government. You're not an enemy of France, you're an enemy of the government. You shouldn't be an enemy. Come on, Macron, he's this tall. Um, just, I'm not a big man and I cannot look up to him. So that should tell you something. But I don't have, the thought of one of my grands getting coronavirus, I would go from don't worry about it to four alarm fire. Because it's mine, right? We were so blessed. Kara got a couple colds. Nothing major. Um, first time I held my baby girl, I cried because I knew I didn't get a keeper. Uh, I, I knew that eventually she would, and, and she's just so precious to me. She's still so precious to me. Um, I don't hug her much because by the time I get close, her boys have tackled me, and, that, and that's beautiful. We have a son. He was different. Wonderful in every way. I mean, I, I have zero complaints about Duncan, but as... I, well, here's the thing. I think it was like, I don't know, 10. And we lived on a mountain in West Virginia for nine years, I think. Um, it was a 1,500 feet gain in the last three miles to get it there. And it was a, like this, right? It was brilliant. Loved it up there. People, if, if, if elders were trying to sneak up on you, we could find them, you know, whatever. Well, it had snowed on just a lot. And Cammie said, uh, Patrick, Come look at this. And I'm going, yes, ma'am. So I walked over. She goes, look what your son, okay, your son, we already know, he, he has not cured cancer because it's my son. He's got a sled and he's pointing down a 1,500-foot slope, chasm. 
And she goes, look what he's going to do. And I went, huh. She goes, you're not going to stop him? I went, no. She goes, why not? I said, he's a boy. Well, what happened? He'll get up eventually. Somebody will give him a ride. There he goes. He saw the emergency room several times. Not on that one. But uh, it was almost like when they walked in, it's like Norm walking into Cheers. It's like, Duncan, you know, there we are. Here's a mug with your name on it. How old was he when he climbed in a laundry basket and launched himself down the stairs? I mean, three. Uh, This is, um, and then he becomes a Marine. So that, we were thinking, he'll be safer there. Um, I will wake up in the middle of the night thanking God for the health of our babies. And I don't worry about things. I'm the, I'm, I don't have a fear gene, but even the concept of something happening to my little girl. I, just, I don't know. And so when I see this story, it breaks my heart immediately. This is your little girl. And Kara, Kara Kaleen is her name. Um, Kara Kaleen Mead back then and now Graves. Um, Karakaline is Gaelic for dear little girl. And that's just what she is. You, know, you, you already know the high opinion I have of women. And, uh, and I, so that little girl meant a lot to me. As Jesus, and I want you to notice the, the juxtaposition here, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying as Jesus was on his way. Boom. Jesus changes everything. There's no, so Jesus took a look at his schedule. So Jesus looked at these, all these people had come out to meet Jesus. Why would you leave all of these people that have sacrificed time, money? Um, they won't eat well because you had to work all day to eat back then. And they've come to hear you to go because Jesus loves little girls too. And we boys. You'll see that as you go through. I won't give away those stories yet. The crowd almost crushed him. I understand. What is he going to do? Save a little girl. And a woman was there, had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. It was uterine bleeding. She might have had cysts, she might have had a tumor, um, she might have had a bad birth that never healed. Regardless, she's not supposed to be in a crowd. That's important. That would make her unclean to be the, have that bleeding, a uterine bleeding. Um, she would have had to stay in the community of the, of the, the unclean, which was always changing. Uh, but she stuck. She wasn't allowed to be in a village, wasn't allowed to be around people. But she comes. She was, had been bleeding for 12 years. And the other versions of the story say, and she spent all she had on doctors until she ran out of money. Does that sound familiar? Luke, a physician, doesn't put that in. I find that hilarious, frankly. Now, there are a couple of old uh, manuscripts where that's written in, but I keep thinking, the oldest ones don't. Don't try to fix Luke here. He's a doctor. Uh, I can almost hear him saying to the Holy Spirit, can I just leave that? Because Mark, you know. Okay, good, good. So anyway, no one could heal her. She came up immediately behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. Stop. Don't go to the healing yet. The healing, I always tell you this, the miracle is the least impressive part of the story. Don't let the miracle blow away the story. Jesus immediately went with the ruler of the synagogue. He didn't say, oh, the Jews. No, he is a Jew. 
he goes. He doesn't say, I've got other, he goes. Here comes a woman, not allowed to be around people. Certainly not allowed to touch a man she's not related to. That was a, a mind-blowing breaking of protocol. And to touch a rabbi? Nobody unclean, even a male relative, would touch a rabbi. Because if you did, then the rabbi is unclean. She broke every single rule, and I say good for her. Because for 12 years, she's been isolated from family. 12 years. How old's that girl? 12 years. You see, Luke does things in themes. Because it becomes important. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. Jesus said, who touched me? Now, they all denied it. Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. I love Peter. It's like, uh, we call that a crowd. You're being jostled. It's in the Bible. Well, they hadn't been written yet, but they are swarming you. Peter, I love Peter. He didn't understand that he wasn't saying, wait, one of you touched me. There's another way we use the word hang on then the woman seeing that she could not go unnoticed because imagine she wheeled around to leave and there were people looking at her we know you you're not supposed to be here came so she had gotten some way and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed and then he said to her What's the word? Daughter. The only time Jesus ever called anybody daughter. Who's been suffering for 12 years. He's headed to a 12-year-old girl. Do you see what's going on? Who touched me? My daughter touched me. Well. Then there's a phrase... He says to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. We, when we say go in peace, mean best of luck. <laughs> Have a nice trip. They did not use those phrases unless they meant them. And, and most nations, people don't say, Have a nice day. Because they'll just say, Bye. Right? In fact, if you go to Breton and they, they hear you're American, sometimes they'll even tease you by trying an American accent and say, have a nice day. And then they'll look at each other and laugh. And you're going, but it's because that's such an American thing to do. Um, it's not a bad thing, just American. And the Jew, what he was, what the crowd heard Jesus say is, nobody messes with her. Go in peace is a declaration to the room. You don't come after her for touching me. This is my daughter. Now, I'm a peaceful man. I really am. I'm highly capable for violence, but I've been trained. Uh, I could, you know, kill him with a rolled-up magazine, but I, um, I try not to. Uh, for years and years and years, I had a hobby. I was dead to competitive pistol shooting. Uh, and my, my son and I even did a, a couple rifle ones, which were fun. Um, 
And it's an odd, odd hobby for a minister, I'll grant you that. But please remember, I'm not a real minister, and it kind of balances out. They, um, also, I, you know, I, I, I've never hunted. I just shoot paper and targets and bowling pins and that sort of thing that you, you know, knock off the tables and like. Uh, we did one where we were firing um, through off red cups. You know, you had to hit, you had to clear them the fastest in the different areas. And that's a lot of fun. And besides, the red, the red solo cups had it coming. Um, but I've never hunted because that's not part of my tradition. It's not part of my history. I'm, I, I'm not opposed to hunting. Hunt all you want. Don't ask me to come because I can buy meat. And I don't have to rub deer urine to get it. So um, I don't have to sit in a tree like an owl in the cold I can drive to an Arby's so anyway and again my son hunts and he loves it fair and I and I'm, I'm being being just facetious here but but in Breton the only people allowed to have guns are the upper-class English people and they're the only ones allowed to go out on a hunt you know we're Scots we're the gellies our jobs to hold the deer you know Shoot, you know, and, and that's how we lost Hamish, frankly, is, but I don't want to go into that. We're still grieving. I have never pulled my weapon on a person. I've pulled my weapon, uh, but I've never pointed it at a person, slipped the safety, and said, let's go. I don't want to. I would, um, I really want to go see Jesus without doing that. But if you hurt my girl... And, and I'm sorry, I know some may be pacifist, and I respect you highly, and I would never make fun of your pacifism. What I will tell you is my, my personality would change immediately if you hurt my girl. Uh, and then, then I would do what I could do with the tools that I have in place. Jesus is saying to the whole crowd, you don't. Cammie and I have kind of a, a thing. I mean, we've done this forever. But we just kind of put our arms around people and say, you're ours. I don't know how many people we've adopted through the ages. No paper has ever exchanged hands. Because you know, we love them. We just don't want to be responsible. But uh, <laughs> men and women. I remember once we were in, walking in a mall. And I, I think, I'm pretty sure you remember this. And Chris Shields came up. He's now the worship minister of, up at Wol uh, Woodmont. He's got to be 6'6", six, six, 300 pounds, African-American dreadlocks. We'd adopted him when he was a little smaller. And he came up to me in a mall and just grabbed me and lifted me and said, How you doing, Dad? And we were in West Virginia, so everybody looked. <laughs> They're trying to figure out now, you know, we've been marrying our sisters and brothers for years, and we've never gotten one of them, so... Maybe we should branch out somewhere, you know. Uh, oh, please. The tree, the genealogical tree looks like that. It's, um, we love our West Virginia friends. Many of them are listening right now, and they tell the same stories. You know, it's the only place I've ever lived where you can hear a kid go, Uncle Daddy, Uncle Daddy. But we, if you remember, uh, West Virginia, Carl came up to us and talked about his double cousin, and you know what it is because you live in Tennessee, and we didn't. We were going, What? That sounds illegal, <laughs> but it explains things. <laughs> so we were, 
you know, high six. We were, but in the, the, um, the point is, we have adopted all of these. And I want to tell you something. It's not casual. We tell people we love them. We mean it. We share our stuff. We share our home. We share our lives. Jesus did that. Picking up the woman who had been a prostitute. Picking up the woman. The other men wanted to stone. Go, no, you don't. And this woman, you're in trouble. You've broken our law. And Jesus saying, no, you don't touch this one. Isn't this a cool story? The healing is the least important part of it. Please just remember this. Even if you don't agree with me, try to read the story four or five times and not be impressed by the healing and see what you missed. Now, we only have a minute. You know what happens next. Just very quickly. While he was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Well, that was a very nice... It's like the Irish guy that was told, you know, oh, we, you know, Mulligan died. Oh, who's going to tell his widow? And he said, oh, well, you know, I'll tell him. And they're going, no, 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 you're not so tactful. And he goes, oh, be tactful, be tactful. So he walks back, knocks on the door, and a lady opens it. And he goes, is this the house of the widow of Mulligan? That's the kind of person that has just arrived here. And if I were Jairus, I would have collapsed to the ground. I, I, my heart right now is hurting, frankly. I, I cannot bear even thinking of this. Literally hurting to think of it. Jesus says to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she'll be healed. Now, I don't believe that that's a dependent clause. If you believe, she'll be healed. I think he's just, no, no, come on. Go with me. Walk with me. I, I see Jesus leaning over and picking them up saying, we got this. I got this. Let's go. But very, very, very impressive. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in, in with him except Peter, James, and John. It's a small place. It's crowded. And the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for it. Stop wailing, Jesus said. He's very tactful. Can it? She's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing, knowing she was dead. Now, and this is where God and I get in arguments, because he says something, but I, I know something different. And I hope you understand what I mean by that, is that he's right. I've been convinced of something, but I'm wrong. I know. They know he's, and he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. I'm thinking, good luck, Jesus. The funeral's ongoing. And when the person in the casket walks out and goes, a little hungry. <sighs> yes. Yes. Yep. I bet the same with Dork, uh, the, the people online. Her spirit did go to God, came back. I've often thought of Tabitha, also called Dorcas, who died and the church was so upset that Peter brought her back. If I were her, I would have grabbed my cane walker or whatever and gone for Peter. Saying, I'm mad at you, and when you see him in a second, you can tell him. <laughs> Thank you for getting that. That was a little slow, but we're going to move forward. In the other versions of the story, 
they used the Aramaic. Jesus looked at the little girl and said, Talitha ko'um. He went back to the language of his childhood. He was so hurt and grieving at the loss of this little girl that he couldn't speak the common tongue. When you are hurt, you go back to the language of childhood. Cammie will tell me she knows when I've got a migraine or what. I don't get them that, you know, no, no sympathy. Or when I'm very tired, that there'll be a bit more of this. this Amp that by 500 times. That's what's going on. Jesus is showing you. Remember the old hymn, does Jesus care when my heart is to, 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 to Yeah, he really did. But the coolest part of this is not that she's alive, although it was to Jairus and to her. Yes. Coolest part of it is he didn't say, yes, I did. Look at me. He stepped back and said, she's probably hungry walked away. Can you outcool that? You cannot. The coolness factor of that is and that's why even though I argue with God I'll walk with Jesus anywhere and I know he's right and I know he knows I'm a mess and arguing but, but he's going to bless you and since I work for God that works. Um, I know I need to let you guys go but I want you to meditate on this story and realize what it tells us. Not that Jesus can raise from the dead and, and heal uterine bleeding, but that he has adopted us, he loves us, and he means it deeply. God bless. Cheerio.